0: Another episode of Dr. Me First. Hey, it's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman, and I'm talking today with Dr. Supriya Rao. She is not only a bomb ass amazing gastroenterologist, but also a practice owner, an advocate, and a hashtag Dr. Mom. We talked today about physician anxiety, about mom anxiety about our anxieties and I am just so excited to share this conversation so get in listen to it and then stick around afterwards for my fun kick of encouragement about choice okay here we go Welcome to the podcast, Supriya Rao. It's so great to have you with me today. Thanks for having me on here, Erin. All right. We'll tell all the listeners a little bit about your fabulous self.
1: So as Erin said, my name is Supriya Rao. I'm a board certified uh, physician in internal medicine and gastroenterology and i um, board eligible in obesity medicine as well. I am a managing partner of my gastroenterology practice in the greater Boston area, and I'm director of medical weight loss at Lowell General Hospital, um, which is a major hospital in the Merrimack Valley in Massachusetts. And uh, my clinical interests include gut health and wellness, um, you know, kind of managing health and wellness as a holistic uh, view and inflammatory bowel disease.
0: I love it, girl. You're a rock star in all of this. Thank and you. today we're going to specifically talk about physician anxiety and talk a little bit more about like why you pick this topic specifically.
1: I picked this topic. I know, I think it's kind of, um, you know, pertinent to what we're going through right now with the pandemic. There's a lot of anxiety about physicians in general uh, who are on the front line being exposed to the virus, bringing it home to their loved ones and I think, you know, the concern that just about health and well-being um, associated with being a physician right now, not having appropriate PPE and just all the, you know, kind of drama that's been surrounding uh, physicians feeling safe to go to work. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I've said, like I mentioned, I'm a small business owner. I own a practice. And so there's been a lot of anxiety for me personally as well um, as a physician, as an owner of a practice, because I employ... And I'm actually owner of our endoscopy center as well, part owner there, and so I employ dozens of nurses and other staff in my endoscopy center, and dozens of medical assistants, um, admin workers, schedulers, and so for me, you know, I am responsible for those people, and I it bring it brought me a lot of heartache initially because I was very concerned about what was going to happen to all these people. So many of them living paycheck to paycheck, um, and concerned about their well-being as well.
0: Yeah, because. What I really felt, too, when all of this hit, like we knew we took care of not just our patients, but our people, too. But it felt like that weight of responsibility, like, slammed down, like a huge weight of
1: lead. I totally agree. Um, All of our staff within the first week of uh, Massachusetts CLO kind of underwent shelter in place in mid-March and so, uh, immediately within a couple of days, everyone was so concerned about what were we were going—Are we going to be fired? Are we going to be furloughed? Any of these things—and we said, no, we're not doing that. Um, actually, as partners, we all didn't take a paycheck for six weeks to ensure that our staff was um, able to take a, to bring home a paycheck and make sure that they were able to provide for their families, um, because we value these people. These people have been our family for years and years, and you know they helped grow our. Practice. They helped grow our business. They, they really care about patients and patient care. So it was important for us to make sure that they were not left out in the weeds.
0: Yeah. And I think a large part of the anxiety component is when you start like swirling and all of the like, what ifs, like th- that future rumination.
1: I agree. Um, I've been fairly, uh, involved in a lot of the COVID activities in Massachusetts and, you know, there have been several models put forth about, you know, what it means if we reopen too quickly and what, you know, future spikes could look like and in conjunction with the flu. And it's really scary. And it's scary as um, a gastroenterologist whose 90% of, or 80% of practice involves endoscopy and elective procedures and not being able to do any of these. I'm concerned. I have a lot of anxiety about the patients that when we do eventually reopen, We've been maybe sitting on colon cancers for months at this point. We've been sitting on other diseases that patients are just too scared to even go to a hospital because of the COVID pandemic, and they're worried about even talking about symptoms because they don't want to get things worked up right now.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, it's so important as a coach to help people like identify what they're actually feeling, you know, in in the myths because I don't know about you, but my personal experience, I like to just like go into lockdown mode. Like, I am a robot. I feel nothing right now. Continue forward. <laughs> what about you as you're managing all of these emotions of, of scarcity and anxiety and unknown and, you know, panic even at times?
1: Yeah, I definitely had a moment of total freak out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> where like the, um, and that came, I wouldn't say it came initially, but it came maybe a couple of weeks in because I was trying to manage also my kids being at home and, you know, school, being like a full-time school teacher in addition to whatever they would do, their Zoom classes and everything like that. But um, I kind of hit this, you know, clarity after having like a meltdown one morning of like, okay, this is what our new normal is for right now. Um, You know, my husband is also, he's a gastroenterologist as well, and he works in my group and uh, thankfully, He's kind of the more pragmatic one of the two of us. And so it's, help, it's helpful to um, be able to bounce my ideas off of him, trying to come up with a routine, a schedule in the house, trying to come up with workflows in the office and ways to make sure that everyone is able to do their part. For example, you know, within, so we found out that Medicaid and Medicare were going to be able to reimburse telemedicine appropriately as, you know, as if we were seeing the patients in the office. So within three days after the lockdown went into place, we made sure everything was in place, and we had telemedicine up and running within a couple of days of everything happening. So it was basically my initial freak out, but then trying to channel it into constructive ways to alleviate, like alleviate that panic that I was feeling all the time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: it's like getting to that point where you can be like, instead of reacting, like just like responding and like being in that right. different frame of mind and space with that. How have you been helping others around like their physician anxiety? I know you mentioned the COVID group um, that you guys have going there in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah. So uh, with the COVID group, we've just been trying to get the word out and um, try and uh, make sure that we have the public awareness going to kind of help them. I did a um, uh, town hall with Joe, Joseph Kennedy, who's um, a con- one of my congressmen in Massachusetts. He's running for Senate um, but I did a town hall to kind of answer questions to the public and try and, um, you know, sim- you know simple questions just to be that they're worried about, like, you know, is it okay to wear a mask? When can we do X or Y? I'm worried about my pet getting it. So these things were just trying to help um, the public. Uh, but in terms of our my fellow physicians, I have said there are several physician groups, as you may know. Um, there's like a Facebook COVID group, and there are several groups um, on different social media. And it's just been really good support to see what people are going through and you know, some people who are truly on the front lines, there's this one surgeon who flew in from San Francisco to New York to be, to like volunteer, to be on the front lines. And I've been following her and, you know, just talking to her, hearing her stories. Um, it's, it's quite humbling to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how have you been using like your knowledge of nutrition and food as medicine to help?
1: So the way I've been using it, so, um, I'm seeing uh, patients for telemedicine uh, right now in terms of just like getting people into our program and trying to help make, help, you know, choose healthy habits. It's hard during a pandemic. Everyone's just trying to basically stay alive. And, you know, there are some people who are their children. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're just trying to make it through the day. Um, And I totally empathize with that. Um, And there is no pressure from me to, Adopt X or Y to move forward during this pandemic when we're just trying to stay sane. Um, but you know, I always say that I feel best if I have some type of routine going in the house and if we have um, good food. And so for me, I cook every single day. It's not like realistic for a lot of people for whatever for different reasons, and that's totally fine. But just choosing healthier options for meals and food um, will just make you feel better. Uh, the more that we rely on processed foods, processed sugars. And, and trust me, I do eat cookies and muffins and things like that as well. But um, it's just, I find that, so I'm a vegetarian and I find that eating like a plant-based diet um, is is healthier. There's obviously no like true, true data to back that. But um, I think the less we can rely on animal products uh, in our diet, the, the healthier and better we'll feel.
0: Yeah. And I think too, just like you said, like it doesn't have to be perfect, but just reminding no. yourself, like, I have a choice. Like, I really yeah. do. Like, we're not yeah. to the point that we're eating, like, radiated Twinkies or anything exactly. like Exactly. We're that. not quite
1: there yet. It's no. not The Walking Dead quite yet.
0: <laughs> and so that's, I was just at the grocery store. I typically go, like, Sundays or Mondays. Right. And that's why I told my husband I, I bought, like, all these fruits, and he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to buy a juicer off of Amazon and we're going to try this out because why not? Because we always have a choice. And I think when we get into anxiety, we get into panic. It feels like we get backed into a wall and into a corner. And that's one thing I know that helps me is to remind myself, like, no, you still have a choice. Like it's still okay. And when I want to reach for like the three Musketeers bar or something like that to be like, wait, you're making a choice right now. Is this the choice you want to make?
1: Right, exactly. I, I feel the same way. I mean, everyone loves chocolate. Everyone loves dessert. We love salty snacks. I get it. I'm right there with you. Uh, but for me, I think that knowing uh, how our gut and the bacteria within our gut respond to a lot of those types of processed foods, uh, it's just, you'll, you'll be a lot happier if you're able to move more towards foods that aren't processed, that don't come in a, like in a package that are, whole fruits, whole vegetables, um, you know, kind of the more complex carbohydrate grains, lean, lean types of proteins. So, I mean, there are plant-based proteins like lentils and tofu, but then like fish and poultry is fine as well um, in small amounts. So basically it's like a Mediterranean style diet. If you look at the blue zones across the world, the, pe- the places where um, people are living, you know, into their 80s, 90s, 100s without chronic medical issues, you'll see the types of diets that they're eating are very high and, plants, um, and some, you know, olive oils and nuts and legumes, um, but very low in processed meat.
0: Yeah. And I love your Instagram feed because that's the stuff that you're putting out there for us. Gutsy girl, MD, everybody needs to go follow you on Instagram (laughs) and hang out because you give me inspiration all the time. And I appreciate that.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Any other quick tips or tricks for all of our female colleagues out there who's listening right now?
1: Yeah, so I basically um, another thing that I've been dealing with the anxiety, and um, I know we think our children are resilient, and they are. They're going to get through this, and it's going to be fine eventually for them. But they are also likely internalizing some of the trauma that goes that goes along with this. Um, I know my kids. So my kids are six and a half and almost five, and um, the both both of them are happy that we're home with them. But they're also you can tell that they're missing that kind of peer interaction, that playtime with their group of friends, their class, um, their classmates, they're able to see them every day on Zoom, but there's obviously a big difference between doing that and, um, you know, seeing them in person. And so what we've actually done is, uh, you know, kind of adopted this, like doing some more yoga, mindfulness, meditation type things to kind of calm that trauma a little bit. Uh, And I think it's been working pretty well. Uh, The kids really, you know, we play with them and they're able to see some people from a, like, a large large distance, but um, having this option to kind of talk through whatever emotions they're feeling and, um, you know, what what do they really think about the pandemic? What's going through their minds? What do they really understand about it? You know, how does it feel like being home most of the time? And, you know, we go outside when we can, but what what are all these things? And so having these conversations with kids, I think you'll learn a lot from them. um, And that might help Kind of alleviate some of the anxiety that you feel, um, because I know a lot of my a lot of anxiety I had also had to do with my kids and worry being worried about them, and so um, I think doing that will be helpful. Uh, and also with my fellow physicians uh, who are friends of mine from throughout training, medical school, residency, fellowship, I've been in touch with a lot of them either via Zoom or text messages, um, just supporting each other and leaning on each other, and just talking about what you know. I have a text uh, message with four of my friends, and we just talk about. What are kind of, you know, mindless things that we can do to, you know, fill up our time or, you know, what, what are you guys doing? What are you cooking? What are you, you know, and just being able to be supportive of each other.
0: Yeah. Great tips. Thanks so much, Dr. Rail, for coming on Dr. Me First. I'm so excited to call you friend and colleague.
1: Thank you, Dr. Wiseman. I appreciate it.
2: All
0: right, for your kick of encouragement today, what I wanna throw at you is you always have a choice. Even when you feel like your back's up against the wall, even when you feel like the walls are closing in, even though when you feel like it's just one path and that's what it is, you always, always have a choice. And I say this because the other day I was walking in the woods, you guys know me, I like to do that every mm, couple of days. And I was on a path with some friends. We had social distance leading. We were trail hiking, running a little bit. And I was like, hmm, there's a fork in the road. I think I'm going to take the left instead of the right. Even though I know the right will take me back on the loop. I just want to see where this is going. And so we started doing it and we got a little further. And then it looked like the path was no longer a path. It was just we were in the middle of the woods. And me being me, I hate backtracking. I'd much rather like blaze a trail around. I reminded myself, all right, you have a choice in this. Either you can admit, all right, this didn't go anywhere. It was fun for a little while. Time to turn back. Or you can try tromping around in the woods and finding that next path. It's just an important thing to remind yourself that you always have a choice. You always have a choice in that moment on what kind of vocabulary you tell yourself. Like, oh, this is so stupid. You shouldn't have done that. Or to be like, oh, well, that was a nice little adventure. Okay, what are we doing next? I think it's important to recognize we always have a choice when it comes to a fork in the road and not knowing what either one is going to turn out like. And that's okay. And also, I think, too, we always have a choice when we look back at our past. And instead of beating ourselves up about what we now see in 2020 vision, Just remind yourself that in that moment, we were doing the best that we could. So you always have a choice. Remind yourself of that. Whenever big emotions come up or you feel like, (gasps) like that, oh my God, I got to make a decision right here, right now. You always have a choice to decide not to zide or to be on the no plan plan or to say, hell fucking yes, this is what we're doing 100% and then later change your mind. You always have a choice, my friend. And I always want to remind you as well, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. listen to this whole thing and done a dance party with me, I just want you to know you are a rock star. You are amazing and you need to be my BFF. So thanks friend for listening all the way through to wake up call. Thanks for dancing with me. Thanks for being a listener to Dr. Me First. I really, truly appreciate you. Have a great day.